Welcome to the Overthinking It Breaking Bad Recap Season 5, Episode 10, Buried. Whether you're watching us live on YouTube, watching this YouTube pre-recorded recap on the old YouTube's uh, website thing that they do with their videos and movies and cat things, or whether you're listening to the audio channel, we'd love to welcome you. We're glad that you're here for the second episode of this second half of the last season of The Journey of Walter White uh, from good to bad to elsewhere. Wonderful. Awesome. <laughs> we don't know where it's going to end. Maybe it'll turn out well. I mean, it'll be fine at the end. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm Pete Fenzel, here to host. Again, Matt Rather, normal host of the Everything in Podcast, cannot join us because he's still two-thirds of the way through Season 2. Uh, there's going to be blanket spoilers all the way up to the minute in Season 5. No one tell Matt what happens to Jane. It'll break his poor heart. <laughs> Let him discover that on his own. Uh, so I'm here with a wonderful panel here tonight. We're going to skip a, skip the question of the week and just jump right into it. Uh, let me just say hello, though. So, hey, John Parrish, how are you doing? Hey, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> good, good, good. Oh, man. So how do you think how do you think it feels to be lying on that giant pile of money like Kubi and Huel did in the uh, in the storage facility? What, what surprised me was how stable it was. <laughs> I, I couldn't help but think from a production standpoint, obviously, that's not literally a stack of money. That's, you know, some solid structure underneath it covered with my, you know, to peek behind the curtain. But still, I mean, I, I imagine, you know, Breaking Bad has enough of a commitment to verisimilitude, a commitment to fidelity, that they have to have tested it with, like, counter or like fake money or show money or counterfeit money of some sort, which, you know, makes me wonder, like, yeah, you know, I guess if you stack it, stack bricks of cash that densely, it is it is stable enough to support weight. It doesn't just slide underneath you like a pile of loose boxes. Yeah. I mean, usually with stage money, what they do, at least what we would do... I feel is, like there's going to be a Mythbusters on this. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, but with the stage money, you would print one denomination on one side and another denomination on the other side. And often there would be some sort of modification to it. Obviously, it's not going to be on the same paper, the cloth, you know, the sort of textile paper that, that it's, yeah. you know, cotton. That, that, that rag, that cotton rag one paper. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you came here to learn how to make a giant pile of fake money, you came to the right place. Uh, <laughs> that's what we're all about. Shana Mlowski, how are you doing today? You there, Shana? I'm doing well, Pete. Thanks oh. for asking. Of course, of course. Yes, it's just I'm probably like a second uh, lagging, which oh. I apologize for. I can hopefully see what maybe I can fix that. Well, well, we'll see. All right. Well, we're going to totally abuse, we're going to abuse your lag by waiting for you to soar you can and then just hitting you on the way down. It's going to be really easy for us. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So this episode is buried, um, although. I'll bring it up. I'll start off the conversation. Now we talked a little bit about Huel and Kubi and their hilarious and all their business. But I wanted to bring up a motif that appears twice in the episode, a shot that appears twice in the episode that for me was kind of a doorway into what the episode was about. And that was taking an object that you ostensibly already know what it is and holding it in front of the car headlight. Right. Like, so the old man does this with the, the $10,000 stack of money that, that Jesse throws out of the car into his driveway in the, in the yeah. open. And then Walt does it later with the GPS that has the coordinates for his buried money in it, holding it in front of the headlight of the car and then right. really inspecting it because, you know, for whatever reason. So, yeah, yeah John, did you, you notice that, too, right? Yeah, it's it's interesting. And not to not to jump too deeply into the into the theme of the episode, as we as we often do, but. 
it, it seems to go back to the the overarching theme of a willingness to see something. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. A disbelief of the evidence of one's own senses. Because we start off with the old man checking out the bills, like because he can't really believe it's a brick of you know hundred dollar bills on his driveway. Who would believe that? And there's Walt who's doing that with GPS, and you know obviously we have the scene with uh, with. Lydia at the very end where, you know, she emerges from the meth lab and so, and literally says, I don't want to see. And Todd's solution that is because he, he's, you know, he's confused by this. He, he doesn't get why, and it is a little odd to be honest, why she would order this hit and yet not want to see the results of it. Mm-hmm. That's, and, and that is, that is kind of a weird character quirk. Um, and of course there's the, the very tense confrontation with Marie versus Skylar in the bedroom where, Marie never puts it in those terms exactly, but there, she does almost all the speaking in that scene. It's just a sort of slow, dawning horror as she realizes how much Skylar knew and for how long. Yeah, I really love that scene and how she was able to gauge just from how much pain Skylar was in when she said things, mm-hmm. whether things were true or not, right? It was all about seeing, all about really seeing versus sort of superficially seeing, looking versus seeing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the act of, of seeing being an act that also by necessity makes a thing true that you might not want to have be true. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to a degree, is Lydia kind of in denial about her role as a criminal mastermind, which she's been involved in, you know, since before we see her in her first awkward diner entrance. She's been like a mastermind of international criminal activity to a very high degree. Uh, very easy to underestimate, but very dangerous, obviously, but capable of having this plausible deniability in her life because she, she doesn't see. And by not seeing, she doesn't know. Yeah. Right. And, and then we last episode was the episode where we learned, you know, and this is the episode where we see, and I don't know, um, Shana, uh, I know you're lagging a little bit, but uh, did any of this stuff strike you in terms of how you approach the episode? Or do you have a different take on it? No, absolutely. I agree completely. Um, I thought uh, so we've been talking about the costume design design and the colors that everyone's been wearing a lot um this week or last week and then uh last season but i really thought they did a great job with lydia's costuming um not only wearing the blue meth uh (laughs) coat that was gorgeous i totally want that but um the louboutin shoes were amazing because um the thing about the louboutin shoes is when you're wearing them, you can't see the red underneath, but other people can see the red underneath. So it's like she has blood on her feet, even though she's not looking at what she's walking through. And she doesn't see them, but everyone else can see that she has blood on her no matter what, which is why I think um, the direction, they really focused on the shoes and her legs as uh, they were going through the scene. Yeah, that was a really intense male gaze that was happening as she was coming down that ladder. Right. Like in Breaking Bad <laughs> tends to resist that sort of cinematography, if anything else, out of a certain industry, like a certain desire not to be lazy about how it chooses its camera angles. Like it's not like, ah, let's just Denise Richard this and call it a day. Right. It's very it's so much. It's so deliberately not that that when Breaking Bad does it, as opposed to when, like, you know, the OC or something would do it, which would feel like very. Yeah, there's a cutting edge reference, Pete. Great job. Right on the p- finger on the pulse. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, you know, it was, it was its anniversary a few weeks ago, right? Oh, the, yeah. Uh, the first episode. So it's totally topical. Yes. Oh, right. Of course. Of course. Yes, it is. And so, yeah, it's uh, they're all going to um, go to California. That's how this is going to end. How Breaking Breaking Bad. Uh, John, we figured it out. The ending of Breaking Bad is going to be ever, uh, uh, Walt Jr. moving to California okay. to go live with uh, Walt's other cousin uh, who lives in, in the affluent Orange County community. 
and okay. not integrating well into the uh, social but life. But Jesse comes along and punches in, uh, him in the face and yeah. says, welcome to the OC. <laughs> bitch. Boom! Bitch! Bitch! <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we were also I was talking about Lydia, right? Yes. And about uh, you know Lydia. We talked about Lydia's outfit. Shana talked yeah, about the, Lydia's... the Louboutins. Yeah, I, I yeah. was there for that part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Ooh. Well, I think the male gaze um, was another way of making us as the audience underestimate Lydia, sort of thinking about her more as a, an object. And then you know, of course, she is really the the subject, the actor of the scene, even if she doesn't want to see it so like it seems like we are viewing her but really i don't know maybe well i'm trying to connect this to the we're viewing things and she's not viewing things i don't know maybe someone can make a good connection that i can't make right now i'm rambling (laughs) well so okay so if we're talking about by seeing a thing that you make it real um to what degree is the are the things that lydia is doing real because lydia obviously doesn't do them herself right she employs in this case she employs todd and the nazi prison gang and now everybody is they weren't in jail now todd's uncle was always out of jail right or at least has been out right of jail. i believe i would have to revisit the episode to confirm but i believe they're the ones whom walter met with when he set up the the simultaneous 10 snitch hit Right, um, right, right. He met with a handful of, of seedy biker types in a hotel room somewhere, and I believe these were they, or were right. So, so they're the ones who are doing it. Yeah. And then Lydia is the, but Lydia has a certain agency over them now. And I wonder if maybe down the road we might see a divergence, right? Like, well, maybe because because everybody knows the, the Phoenix guy didn't want to work with Todd, and we all know why because Todd is just totally Todd and thus like this. <laughs> he's just totally. he's a psychopath he's he's I mean that would be the word right is he a sociopath or a psychopath I'm not sure which I think um, he's, I think he's a sociopath because he doesn't have he doesn't have profound outbursts which I I don't think is necessarily a trait of psychopathy but is is most commonly associated with it he's just a sociopath he lacks he lacks affect yeah and it comes yeah. across in a sort of like you know toe-headed Naivish or naivishness is that a word naivete a sort of toe-headed naivete most of the time he's just sort of like oh hey i'm todd oh hey guys you know there's this thing in the in the house that you're about to go cook meth and you might want to look out for it I'm like oh thanks todd oh you oh we uh, can't let anyone live oh okay bang bang <laughs> what? no i i thought you told me to kill guys i know a lot of guys who kill guys like all my cousins and uncles they're great at killing guys all right i'm gonna go wait outside bye <laughs> it's With all my i'm oh, sorry Oh, I was just saying his knife is knife. That's like uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but that's like the little boy character, right? Yes. Naif is like a is like a is like an ingenue, but like a little boy, and yeah. uh, and naive is the way in which these sort of characters might potentially act. Yes, uh, and he's both. He's like he's Matt Damon, but he's knifey knifey. <laughs> 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 but I'm wondering whether at some point these guys are going to go rogue or like kill Hank or something or kill Skyler, right? Like whether these guys are the big bads that Walt's going to use the machine gun on. It seems to be one of the obvious choices right now, or at least attempt to use the machine gun on. Or maybe attempt to cook like a delicious steaming pot of spaghetti and serve the rice into uh, in like yeah. a large family style dinner <laughs> kind of Olive Garden situation. Right. <laughs> They've certainly been introduced as a new antagonist and like, you know, shooting, being like, you know, fire in the hole and shooting the sort of badass guy that we kind of liked in the head is kind of a nice way of of making them look villainous. Um, But yeah, but I guess it's like how much can Lydia really maintain the Heisenberg level of control over the situation if she's not willing to look at it? Like, remember when Jesse 
had that really important character change when he realized that he was the bad guy, uh, which he appears to have sort of gone back on and back and forth on. But he, he definitely had a very powerful, liberating moment where he's like, I'm not a good person. And I can, like, I do terrible things. And this is freeing for me because now I'm at least not feeling as guilty about it. Right. Like, uh, and that was season four, I want to say. It went around the, the Gus stuff, I think. Um, but when he shaved his head. So maybe Lydia needs to have a moment like that. Or maybe she won't. And that'll affect what happens. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. it's certainly possible. I mean, Jesse's Jesse's arc is is particularly interesting. I think obviously, you know, he's he's one of the two one of the two male leads on the show, so he's going to be critically important this final season. Uh, it's a very interesting episode for him in that he doesn't have an actual line of dialogue in the entire. Yeah, episode. I caught that too. I was just thinking of that now. Um, this was um an episode not only about seeing then, but about not speaking because Skylar also, as we said before, had that scene where Maria's just talking and she's not saying anything. And of course Skylar didn't uh come out and say anything uh to Hank, even though he really, really wanted her to. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's like we don't wanna see but we do wanna see and we wanna hear what's gonna happen. Like when the episode ends, as it says on your notes, Pete, like the episode ends right when we're about to hear something we really, really, really wanna hear. And yeah. then it's like, nope, you're not allowed to hear it at all. Like, you gotta wait. So, yeah. I want to talk I about that was that an moment. interesting choice they made. Definitely, I, I want to talk about the moment a little bit because it loops back to what we were talking about before about the uh, episode being about seeing, about people being able to see Lydia's shoes, about the eye of the camera as the male gaze on Lydia being a continuation of the act of seeing and examining that's happening with the guy with the stuff in front of the headlights. Because uh, in the very in the scene in the interrogation room, when Hank is about to come in the door, I noticed that the camera that's recording Jesse, which you know it has to do for evidentiary purposes and whatnot, is pointed directly at us, the viewer. Right? It's not pointed directly at Jesse. It's sort of painted three quarters at Jesse and it's shooting right at the camera. Right. And so like you're sort of looking over Jesse's left shoulder and you see the camera looking straight at you, right? And then, of course, like, Hank is about to go into the room, and the camera is sort of following him into the room, and then the door shuts in the face of the camera, right? So the scene is built around, is, is like, very much aware, communicating an awareness of the fact that we're watching it, and we want to watch it. And so it may, may be sort of, like, indicting us a little bit in the salaciousness of the events, Right. Um, the idea that or maybe also sort of heightening it. Right. And that the the horror and difficulty of the truths of the things that we're going to see, we may know them, but we haven't really seen them either. Right. Like the end of Breaking Bad. Oh, did we lose Pete? Pete, We lost Pete. Uh, all right. Well, I'm, I'm sure you I'll, come back. I'll keep, I'll keep talking in his absence. Uh, it could be. My take on it is it's as much a heightening device as anything, given that, as we saw between the first episode of this half season and this episode, uh, like the <clears throat> the next episode, uh, hi Pete, I'm just talking about the, the camera cut off as a heightening device. Uh, what struck me is that this episode, Buried, begins literally seconds after the last episode ends, and... You know, episodes of Breaking Bad have always sort of followed close onto each other. It's been it's been tricky to sort of tell how long the show's really going, although they reiterate during this episode it's been a year, really, since Hank's or excuse me, since Walt's cancer diagnosis. But uh, but yeah, so it's definitely possible that the next episode will begin, you know, with with Hank entering the room and closing the door and, and sitting down. So we'll see what exactly that is. But the obviously the implication is we don't we don't fully get to see it yet. Uh, you know, there's the implication that 
someone is going to say something to Hank, but they're not going to say it yet. Or someone is going to see, or Hank is going to see something that builds his case, but he doesn't get to see it yet. So there's that, I guess that anticipation for lack of a better word, the, the, like there's the urgency to see or the urgency to hear. And there are other characters around cautioning either patience or impatience in various, in various steps. Um, and obviously, ironically, as it turns out, you know, Hank is <clears throat> Hank is sitting at home, you know, just staring at these same sheets of evidence he's been staring at for the last episode and a half now, sort of willing himself to see something that's not obvious. And it's Marie who says, look, you've got to go into the office. You've just you've just got to go in at some point. It's going to be it's going to be weird if they catch Walt and you're not there. Uh, and it's by going in that he gets that he gets that tip that, oh, yeah, by the way, we, you know, Jesse Pinkman got arrested for throwing around millions of dollars. If he hadn't been in the office, he wouldn't have learned that. Staring at the evidence in front of him would not have exposed that to him. So I guess there's a point there about, you know, trying to force something, trying to will yourself to see something often makes it, often conceals it from you or makes it easy to overlook, whereas a sort of more organic approach uh, to discovering the truth is more likely to reveal things. Maybe the point they're going for. I don't know. Throwing that out. Uh, yeah, I wonder. I wonder if um, maybe we could talk about this in the context of Walt's money for a second, um, because uh, when he, because if you're talking about sort of willingness or how closely you observe things, one of the interesting moments with Walt's money is when he's in the truck, he's in the van, mm-hmm. and he he looks at the barrels and yeah. he says to Saul Hewell and, and QB. Um, you know, this is good enough, right? Or <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's it's close enough. Like, it's okay if as, it, as if as if he's counted it right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, what do you think? Do you think that that Huel and QB pocketed a few G, a few hundred Gs or what have you uh, I, while they were sitting in there? I'd I'd be a little hurt if they didn't. I'd be I was almost <laughs> I was almost expecting you know the the final cut to be like a, a waist level camera shot of them walking to the car and one of them just like pulling like a like one stack just just an inch just an inch out of their pocket, you know, as, as they approach, you know, their ride home or whatever. Yeah. I was a little hurt that we didn't see that, but <laughs> I trust, I trust the show knows what's doing. But this is such a contrast from how Walt feels about the fly and the fly episode where he's so much paying, he's paying attention to every minute detail of his business, like so intently mm. uh, to the level of obsession. And I know that in the first episode of the season, we had talked about how Walt had changed so much in his effort to get away from the business. At least he seemed in a very, very different place. Like the honesty that he was showing towards Skylar about Lydia was a big part of that. But this is like a really big change too. And I kind of wonder whether the combination of um, that sort of laxity, his, his, you know, saying that, you know, oh, this is close enough. The fact that the money is being literally put out of sight. Yeah. Right? The money is being buried in a place where you can't see it. The the thing that tells you where it is has been smashed, right? Um, Which I I wasn't quite clear on the point of that. Like, was he worried that a GPS device could be used to track him, maybe? Uh, I thought he was worried that somebody might find the GPS device and be able to search its history and to determine okay. where he'd been, like okay. to track his movements. Because Saul had told him that he they might be using his cell phone to track his movements. Ah, okay. uh, right, right before that. And that's when he pulled the batteries out of his cell phone. And so I think he sm- he kept his GPS in the box until he was at the site. Yeah, and then yeah. he took it out, he turned it on, he read it, he memorized it, he smashed it. And then he bought the lottery ticket and put it up on the on the fridge. And then it's like, okay, well, when you look at a lottery ticket, are you really looking at money that you actually have? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> right? Like, you're not, you don't right. have that money. You can imagine that you have that money. You can hope that you have that money, but you don't have that money. 
Right. Like, that's, yeah. that's the payday. That's the big payday in the future. Yeah. <laughs> it's all going to work out. Exactly. And I just I wonder whether set against in particular an episode where so many things are are really seen, whether this money kind of dropping out of sight is a sign that maybe it actually won't really be there for Walt again. Yeah. Um, and maybe, he, you know, maybe he won't be able to find it. Maybe he won't be able to get out there. Um, I don't know. I mean, he certainly they certainly had difficulty moving the methylamine that they buried in the desert. Um, so it's it's like, you know, and this is kind of analogous to that. So I bet they pay the housing development over it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this place is haunted with meth money. <laughs> uh, one thing one thing I want to talk about related to Jesse uh, is, first off, the, the episode kicks off in the cold open with a phenomenal shot of him lying on his back on one of those, like, not merry-go-rounds, but like sort of playground-level merry-go-rounds. It's just like a big, you know, tin wheel, and you're lying on it, and he's doing what we've all done as kids, which is lay back on with your head in the center. And the camera is positioned above him and rotating around him, which, just from a production standpoint, must have been a phenomenally, like, tricky shot to to set up and coordinate, to have the camera rotating exactly at the same, at the same pace as the merry-go-round was. So that's, again, phenomenal work on those guys' part. But, uh, it brings me back to it brings me back to something I observed at the beginning of season four. Uh, this this is when this is when Gus Fring, uh, you know, traps them in the meth lab, uh, slits slits his associate's throat, and says, "Get back to work." Uh, and it also ties into uh, I won't go into details for the sake of spoilers, but at the very end of the Shield, which is a similar series in a lot of ways, yeah. uh, the idea of hell being a job you can't quit. Yeah. The idea, the idea being that Jesse, in this case, is starting to come to terms with this. He's realizing that he can't get away from this issue. Like, in the first episode of this half season, he tries to give away the money, and Saul's like, whoa, no, 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 I can't do that. And then, and then Walt shows up literally that evening with the money, so Jesse can't even do that. He tries throwing it out the window, and as we see at the beginning of this episode, instead of being distributed among the population of Albuquerque, there's one guy picking it up. So instead of, like, everybody getting $10,000, we have got one guy with, like, $100,000, which clearly isn't what Jesse wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the idea of him on the, on the merry-go-round, you know, trapped on this thing that's constantly spinning and unable to let him off. So I think that's, I think that's the psychological hell that Jesse is going through. Like, he wants... He wants out. He wants away from all the terrible things that he's done. But everything he tries to do to get away fails. Mm-hmm. Like, he can't give away this money. He can't... I, I guess he lacks the the will or the fortitude to confess to what he's done. Although, now that Hank's in the room with him, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but that, that, idea of being, that idea of being trapped in a job you can't quit... Yeah. Shana, did you, you, you were trying to break in there for a second. I want to make sure you get a chance to weigh in, even though you're a bit lagged and thus your APM is totally, totally screwed and your SCV aren't gathering minerals fast enough. But Yeah, I get that reference. Good. <laughs> no, thanks, Pete. Um, well, I think for this point, um, I was thinking as as you were saying that, John, that maybe it was a reference to sort of like a Wheel of Fortune, um, not the Nana White Wheel of Fortune, but more of the actual <laughs> metaphor. Um, the Magic the Gathering Wheel of Fortune. Fortune? No, yes. The, <laughs> yes, that one That reference, I more get. <laughs> um, the, uh, the Boethius but, Wheel of Fortune. Um, <laughs> 
it makes me think of um, how fate is going to be working in this final half season. Um, if this show is a classical or a Shakespearean tragedy, um, then everything that happens from here on out um, has been faded. You know, nothing can stop the train that we're on. Um, so the, the question is, I guess, what is going to happen to Jesse? Um, he's spinning around. We don't know where he's going to stop. Um, Walt has the uh, lottery ticket. I guess his lottery is really, is he going to live to use that money? Is he going to live through the next episode? Um, and actually, to connect this to a point uh, you made earlier, Pete, um, in terms of the way Walt has changed dr uh, drastically in the last two episodes, um, I was shocked this week um, when he had passed out in the bathroom and then he woke up and he uh, was talking to Skylar when uh, he said, oh, I'm going to turn myself in and you can take the money. Yeah. What a ridiculous thing for him to say. It's so out of character for him to say that because I thought that over the past few seasons we realized, or he even realized maybe subconsciously, um, that family wasn't really what he cared about. He was just using that as an excuse. But now this episode, he's bringing up family again over and over again. Like, oh my God, Saul, I could never kill family. This is so important to me. And yeah, the idea and that Saul, he would Saul's turn himself shocked. in. A little shocked by that. Like that would never work. He knows he, that would never work. He's a yeah. super genius. That was a really shocking moment to me. Do you think I, he's I, trying to set her up? Do you think he's trying <laughs> If he was, that was pretty brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's tied into the cancer coming back. Like this was I was I was thinking this while he was digging, you know, a really deep hole in the desert and rolling a lot of really heavy barrels of money. It's like, gee, the show's kind of being inconsistent about how much Walt's cancer affects him. And then he gets home and passes out for four hours. So okay, I guess that makes sense. So I guess it has more to do with his. I I, I think there's a correlation between his physical potency and his and his valuing of his family like his ability to be merciful and charitable and human for lack of a better word like he's lying essentially naked on a bathroom floor uh you know he would have been passed out in his own you know drool maybe concussed if skylar hadn't you know rolled him over and put a blanket on and put a cold compress on his head so and he can barely talk at this point like he's clearly weak beyond all all human measure so i can see him thinking at this point that he's no longer in control of the situation and that therefore he has to he has to be generous he has to rely on other people's generosity and i can see him immediately going back on that as soon as he starts to feel better yeah like, exactly yeah like after a little bit of rest and maybe you know some more meds and a, a nice hearty omelet uh he'll be <laughs> He'll be back on his feet and be like, actually, no, that was a stupid thing I said. Let's not turn ourselves in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, in that scene, it wasn't fascinating that he was wearing the tidy whities from, you know, the very first episode. What a callback. And he was yeah. out in the desert yet again, um, completely, well, not maybe completely, but mostly out of control. So it's like he's regressing, I guess. But in a way, maybe he's morally progressing. I don't know if that's even possible for him. He's so yeah. beyond the moral event horizon and i'm not even sure that's possible well, but actually one, one uh, yeah sorry Pete. go ahead i was just gonna say to add to that i read that the site where he buries the money and again this is internet rumor so maybe it's true maybe it isn't is the same site where he and jesse did the first cook uh in the rv when they oh. first drove out of town 
Yeah, and there's also the shot of him through the barrels that's framed a lot like the crawl space shot. So it's almost like his yeah. life is passing before his eyes and like references <laughs> to previous scenes. Uh, but anyway, Shana, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Oh, no problem. Um, not to make too many spoilers, spoilery references to other shows, but I found it fascinating um, when he was, um, when Walt passed out that this was the season where don draper also passed out and it's also sort of um tony soprano if you watch the sopranos was passing out as well it seems like there's this trend of anti-heroes passing out when like uh <laughs> something strikes them like oh maybe i should change my ways and then reason. usually they don't yeah, <laughs> yeah. well there's there's very much that connection between as I mentioned earlier, between physical potency and the belief, whether true or false, that you can take on all comers. So, you know, so long exactly. as you're feeling fit and healthy, like you have, you know, real confidence in your own mental faculties and your own spirit. And as soon as you feel sick and weak, like everything falls apart. Like I can, you know, I, I can, I can attest to this from the few moments. I don't get sick often, but the moments that I'm really, really sick, like bedridden, everything's like, oh, the world is terrible. Nothing good is ever going to happen again. I need to make my peace with death, etc. <laughs> so, for people who identify very strongly with their ability to overcome obstacles, like Tony Soprano, like Don Draper, like Walter White, uh, I can see like a sudden bout of sickness inflicting like a sudden attack of conscience on them. Yeah, exactly. If only because they need some sort of me defense mechanism because yes. they how to protect themselves from what's going on. Yeah, they need they need someone to defend them at that point. They yeah. can't, you know, they can't muscle their way out of this problem. Yeah. Now, you were talking about the shield a little while ago, and I felt in this episode there was one really big kind of shield derived, not derived necessarily, but sort of shield connected scene. Uh, and we won't go into what happens in the shield, but because uh, we don't want to spoil that. But the scene where Hank puts the recorder down in front of Skylar, yes, uh, I thought was definitely uh, pretty intense in a similar way to a similar scene in the Shield again, which we won't reveal. Yeah, very much so. Do you do you think do you think Hank was conscious of what he was asking Skylar to do, or was he just so locked in on finally nabbing Heisenberg that he didn't realize the implication? Because, and this is going off of my sort of like shoddy knowledge of the law. Uh, and uh, uh, commenters, you know, folks, feel free to correct me. But I believe in, in almost every state, if not every state, a, a spouse cannot be compelled to testify against uh, her husband or wife. Well, you can't arrest a husband and wife for the same crime. Take to the sea. <laughs> <laughs> little arrest. Yeah, that's a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, think, them I think, genu think that is a genuine legal defense. Like, you can't compel... You can't compel a spouse to uh, to testify, or you can't you can't charge them with obstruction if they don't like. It. There's there's some defense in there. I don't know. And Hank is more or less asking a spouse to testify against her husband in this case, Skylar, against Walt. And I wonder if I would say no, just because Hank doesn't look very canny in that scene. He looks like he's falling apart. Uh, in any case, so I don't think this was a ploy on his part to sort of trick her into revealing something incriminating. But, and I think this is an indication of how far Hank has gone, that he, he doesn't realize that he's asking his sister-in-law to reveal information that could very well lead to, to her being arrested or to her family being ripped apart, uh, because he's so, he's so dead set on getting on getting Walt. I mean, like, well, definitely. And first of all, he put a, he put a warrantless tracking device on Walt's car. Yes. Right? He has no court order to do that. Right. right. And he like confronted him and 
punched him yes. in the face. <laughs> um, he then, like, anyway, again, you can't compel the spouse to testify, but the spouse can still testify, right? Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, and so here he's just, like, putting down the recording device, you know, and, and just, like, running with it. Hasn't reported it to anybody. Right. Uh, I mean, he is, if we've, if, if we're at the situation now where, like, if Jesse gives up Walt at the beginning of the next episode, he may get off due to a variety of technicalities. <laughs> <laughs> Just because the police procedure has been so bad around the way that Walt is, that Hank has been going after him for the past couple. Or, or he may not. I mean, that I yeah. think that's the hope we're meant to lead up on is that Jesse might be the way out because he's the one source of evidence that's not that's not a poison tree to use the very colorful legal term that I've always loved, and that you know Hank could very plausibly just have shown up at work one day and, oh, here's Jesse Pinkman. I have no idea what's going on with the Heisenberg case. I'm just going to show up and talk to this gentleman whom I know. La, la, la. What's that you say? Walter White, meth dealer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so we talked about Walt feeling powerless and thus becoming nice. And so if we're talking about Hank and Skyler, which I feel like is a really important scene, um, the the scene I want to connect it to or the sort of scenes that I want to connect it to are when Hank was injured. And Marie kept trying to like talk to him about stuff and he yeah. kept being like really mean to her. <laughs> right. Like, like, like Hank withdraws and becomes obsessed with his mission. Right. Yeah. Like Hank becomes sort of like very, uses his cerebral qualities. He investigates, he categorizes, he classifies. He doesn't really think about this, the impact of what he's doing on the people around him. Um, so I think that he's sort of being, because I, mean, I thought about this, is he really, he could be trying to trip Skylar up. He might be doing that just sort of out of, habit he might just be expressing a general frustration with like the constitutional limits on his powers which he has to deal with generally but i do think it might be more of like he's being really callous because he too is feeling very vulnerable and he becomes callous when he's vulnerable like deliberately so like harsh um uncaring about people he should care about yeah i mean it's possible i mean he could he could realize how close like how close the viper has been to his bosom for, for lack of a better phrase. And like that, that scares him. Like that gives him a panic attack last episode. So, yeah, that's true. And he was, he was, I mean, he almost passed out. He almost Don Draper that situation by passing out. Yeah. Actually, that wasn't a Don Draper situation. Cause he then, mm-hmm. ah, whatever. I'm not, it's cause he was in a Jeep. John Draper. <laughs> Jeeps are, Jeeps are, are weak, weak vehicles. Yeah, exactly. uh, so, so Shana, this is a point we've talked about in the past. I'd, I'd be interested to hear what you think about this. Uh, Skyler in this episode in particular. Now, you know, not to not to give more weight than we have to 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 what the internet says about characters, particularly Skylar White. But the you don't have to look too hard to find comment sections in earlier seasons where people like, oh, Skylar White, oh, I hate that bitch because you know she's she's getting in the way of Walter White's good time. She's she's being a stick in the mud. Uh, this episode, she is the exact opposite. She's in she's not only aiding and abetting him, which she's been doing for several episodes now. She's she's dragging him back back onto the path as it were she's saying no 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 we might get out of this let's let's play our cards right let's see where this goes so i'm curious i'm curious as to your take on this like a what do we what do we think the internet reaction well i mean we could check comment threads if we wanted to sully ourselves that far but uh what do we think about this change in character for for skylar yeah i was thinking about that throughout the episode and I'm not sure it's an either-or question. I, I haven't read any comments about this episode, so I don't know what the internet is saying. Um, but in the episode, Hank frames uh, the whole situation as uh, Walt is the monster, the villain, and Skyler is the victim. Whereas at the end of the episode, as you said, John, um, she 
uh, positions herself as like a Lady Macbeth figure, um, saying we have yeah. to, you know, what's done is done, and we have to see this through. There's no going back. Um, and I think maybe they're not mutually exclusive. Um, she was dragged into this by Walt. She was clearly scared of him, had some sort of nervous breakdown last season where she was trying to you know, kill herself by walking into the pool and so on. So maybe you could say she's uh, she started to justify it to herself or she's so afraid that she's going to end up in prison that she's, uh, you know, getting herself more and more involved in it. But I mean, yeah, it, it could be a bit of both. I, I think she's definitely implicated at this point. Oh, yeah. I don't I wouldn't <laughs> call her a bitch, but she is she's not innocent for sure. Right. Yeah, I, I, I got a sense of her not wanting to be the victim. And I think yeah. there was a turning point for her last season, uh, season four specifically, like the, the post post Gus Fring season where uh, actually no, or maybe even, even season, th- uh, maybe even into like season or no season four, the, the Gus Fring season, season five, the post Gus Fring season where she's, where she starts realizing how much she needs to, take charge in order to keep the family together. Cause Walt clearly doesn't care about the family. So, and I, I, I saw glimpses of that in the episode in the scene where Hank is talking to her in the diner and Hank just goes on and on for a bit. And Skylar doesn't really get a word in edgewise, but you can see her tearing up and sort of shaking her head and her mouth sort of moving like she's gearing up to say something or deny something, but she can't quite, she can't quite get to it. Cause she's, I mean, she's overcome with emotion as, as you might imagine, but I think she's, I think she's recoiling from this this role that that Hank wants to shoehorn her into as as the victim, as the as the person who's being abused. Even though she very clearly has been abused, she doesn't want to see herself that way, and she doesn't want other people to see her that way. Yeah. Like she's had opportunities. Very Walt esque, right? Like they, yes. they are a couple for a reason, I guess. <laughs> well, they're. Yeah. they're- there are two moments during Hank's talking to Skylar where she looks up. There might be a couple more, but there were two that I noted. And one of them is when Hank refers to, uh, like, the abuse. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't know what the abuse, and then she sort of looks up. And then another time where he says, you know, you're done being the victim, and she kind of looks up. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think you're totally dead on that she's like, I'm being, I'm being thought of as the victim here. And perhaps as a reaction to the trauma of having been pretty severely abused by her husband and, you know, all sorts of terrible physical and emotional ways. I mean, I did read some comment threads around this episode and uh, a lot of them, one of them centered around uh, the scene where Walt is on the bathroom floor and Skylar's hand is on his chest and he's holding her hand. And you can see that he is wearing his wedding ring and her left hand isn't wearing her wedding ring. And some people were like, it's been a really long time and she still hasn't like forgotten, like given, given up on her anger at him. <laughs> it's been like all of four weeks. Come yeah, on. I know. It's like, I mean, he, he only really tried to sexually assault you like four weeks ago. I mean, you can't just let that go. What about the time you almost got your family murdered? You know, yesterday, <laughs> like let it go, let it go. Come on, mm-hmm. Skylar, you're too uptight. You know, you're not, no fun. Uh, <laughs> but, no, people, uh, people are still awful like people's opinions of Skylar white are a great way of seeing their, the worst sides of their personalities yeah. i think these people should watch the show 
show again because um at the when I first started watching Breaking Bad, like it's clear in the first season that the show really doesn't want you to like Skylar. And but if you watch it again, I haven't seen the whole show again, but I watched the first season and a half, I think, um, a little while ago um after have, having seen the either fourth or fifth season and if you watch it from the perspective of uh walter is a jerk you can see it pretty clearly that he is the jerky person in this relationship and <laughs> she is not even close to as jerky as he is so i don't know <laughs> right yeah there definitely were two moments in this episode, the moment where Skylar and Walt, where he like looks up at her. And of course, he's always sort of believed on some perverse level that she never stopped loving him. Right. Um, to the extent that he even understands love as a concept, let alone as a reality. Um, but it's like, oh, you know, she's my wife. And she's, she sort of sees his, his possession of her as a, as a loving object, as a mark of his own superiority, I suppose. But the moment where it's like she's being really harsh about how, no, like Hank doesn't really have anything. And you see that they're sort of together. And then there's the moment where Marie gets in the car with Hank and is like, you have to get him. Yeah. And you sort of see that backbone. And we talked about that a little bit before where they, oh, this is a really great match. This is a really great couple. And whereas before there had sort of been a situation where it was kind of like Marie, Hank and Skylar and like Walt was kind of off to the side pouting. Uh, yeah. now, now it's like Walt and Skylar and Hank and Marie and a slammed door has shut the, the path between the two of them. Uh, and it's very distinct and separate couples at this point. Um, hey, do you want to talk about the geography of Central America for a second? No. Uh, Are you speaking of what? Belize? I'm speaking of Belize. I'm speaking, <laughs> I'm speaking particularly, and we'll get to Belize in a second. Well, we won't. Everyone will get to a Belize eventually. But you know, <laughs> what do we say to the what do, what do we say to the Belize National Bureau of Tourism? Not today, right? Like, um, so <laughs> yeah, they, they, there was definitely a post on on Reddit today that was like the, the Belize National Bureau of Tourism watched Breaking Bad was like, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's the scene with Huel and Kubi in the money thing, and and Huel goes like, you know, Mexico is all I'm saying, <laughs> right? And, then, and he's implying that they're going to take the money and go to Mexico. And then Kubi's like. You know, that guy killed t 10 guys in prison in a two minute window is all I'm saying. Right. Yeah. So, so this idea where it's like we could take the money and go to Mexico. And it's funny because we've been to Mexico in the show and Mexico is not a place where you want to go with a whole bunch of drug money. Right. Like, it's <laughs> like not a great place. Like imagine Huel just like walking around like yellow tinted Breaking Bad Mexico, like running into like <laughs> Gus Fring's Chilean associates, <laughs> like the remnants of the Don Eladio operation. Yeah. Um, Mexico is this place that's like and I felt like if Belize again, in the, it's like in the very, very next scene, I wouldn't have drawn this connection if it weren't in like the very, very next scene where uh where saul suggests that hank needs to take a trip to belize like mike did and of course belize is just south of mexico so we've sort of drawn a line that goes from you know new mexico in the united states into mexico and then to belize right and yeah. it's sort of like it's it's sort of like a descent it's like you know we see this moment this potential future where this money leads Huel down a path of self-destruction to his inevitable death um, when he crosses the border to the other side Right, as he sort of travels south. Right. Oh, to the heaven of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, the, the further south you get, the more dangerous it is. Where, I mean, 
We have Mexico, which, you know, you can have a decent time there. Like, college kids go there on vacation, but it's also a great place to get shot or to have a head walk toward you on a turtle and then explode. And <laughs> so terrible things happen there. Break! Uh, <laughs> then there's Belize, which we've never been to, but there's apparently a euphemism for death. Yeah. And then there's then there's Chile, which we've never been to, but like there's only bad things come from it. Like <laughs> Chile is like worse. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. Mexico, Belize, Chile, like I, I don't know, you get down to Tierra del Fuego and it's just like man's inhumanity to man, like the state of nature, nasty, brutish, short, you know, <laughs> lifespan, everything. The, the last scene is just gonna be Walt just machine gunning penguins. <laughs> where does the czech republic fit into this i wonder oh yeah that's a good point the czech republic oh yeah yeah i mean gosh the only I, i'm not gonna go I, i've been i tried to watch the borgias on netflix and i ended up accidentally watching a show from the czech republic called borgia <laughs> which is like a bunch of rather c-list actors including one of the bad uh, cop chiefs from the wire and the how about them apples guy from goodwill hunting uh, <laughs> So I, I saw that I saw that on Netflix floating around. I was like, wait a second, that's uh, that's not Jeremy Irons. <laughs> so only bad things come out of the Czech Republic. Uh, but no, do you think we're going to go back to Madrigal? Um, you think we're going to go back to to Europe at some point, to Germany or to the Czech Republic uh, in the show, or do you think that ship has sailed? Uh, we were in the New World now, and we shall not return to the old. I don't know. There's there's a couple of. There are still a couple of unresolved plot items, namely, what is the full extent of the Madrigal holding company's involvement? Uh, I mean, we've never really settled what the nature of Gus's mysterious origin from Chile is. Uh, I don't know that we will ever get an answer on that, but I don't know what it would drive forward if we knew it. But it you know, might be useful, might not. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, those those are two unresolved things. I mean, it is kind of interesting because because Todd's uncle's gang are neo Nazis, right? They're they're like yeah, I, I'm, I think it, I think it's it, I think it's pretty clearly implied that because they're so extensive throughout prison, they're probably Aryan Brotherhood or no yeah. people who are. And of course, Gus Fring being part of the Pinochet regime, probably in Chile, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Who is also a fascist, right? Yeah. And then of course, being a South American military person who had a connection with the German industrial conglomerate, like, you know, that's kind of a Nazi. Probably, probably There's just going to be like eight different kinds of Nazis that are all going <laughs> to, it's going to end in this amazing Indiana Jones fight where Walter White's going to like put on his black hat and like take out his whip and his Erlenmeyer flask and is just going to like <laughs> fight the Nazis. Um, yeah, no, it is interesting that there's more than one group of potential Nazis in the show. Yeah, a lot of Nazis floating around. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I hate Nazis almost as much as I hate snakes. <laughs> um but yeah i mean i guess what, what what's uh I'm, I'm, so we talked about the belize we talked about the mexico we talked about skyler and we talked about the abuse we talked about marie and hank and all of the different sites i did want to say um thinking about how to approach talking about this episode like we've dwelled a lot on i think like visual elements and we've dwelled a lot on kind of almost lyrical elements of it, parts that aren't necessarily from the story of the episode or the ideas of the episode, like what the episode says about relationships or politics. Or I mean, we never even address what it says about like the drug trade, right? Um, and and I, I was comparing it to the recaps that we do, again, not to give any spoilers, but the recaps that we do about Mad Men and Downton Abbey seem a lot more about kind of um, establishing some sort of story core story item 
and then kind of watching how it informs, and even the Game of Thrones ones, how all of the different plot lines in the story, in the episode, uh, and the different character and relationship moments in the episode are related to some sort of core story idea. And I really felt like this episode in Breaking Bad showed as much as any of them that it, it seems to really be the visual tropes. Uh, well, to me, like the visual experience of the show that for me at least holds it together more than the story. Um, we talked a little about it. We talked about seeing and willingness to see yeah. and speaking and willingness to speak. And, uh, and yeah, I, I guess, I guess to, to tie into the title, things being, things being buried, things being sealed away from us and the, you know, how, how deeply we dig it and how easy or hard it is to unearth. So, yeah, I, I think I think that's the overarching theme, and obviously it's played out very visually because, you know, Breaking, Breaking Bad tells its story largely through cinematography and pacing, less so through dialogue. I mean, I, I think the closest thing this episode had, or the, to an on the nose moment, is when Lydia emerges in the hole and says, "I don't want to see." Like that's that's pretty that's pretty much pinning it on the pinning it on the theme there, and by the standards of you know the rest of television, that's exceedingly subtle. Yeah, well, I think um, two things I want to say about this. One is that I think Breaking Bad is probably the most serialized TV show maybe ever. Um, unlike Mad Men, which is also very serialized, but it sort of has short stories. Like each episode is its own self-contained bit. So it's yeah. easier um, to find like one theme per episode. But if you wanted to sort of look at it on the Mad Men level, because when we do the Mad Men Mad Men recaps were always looking at, oh, what does the title mean? I guess in this episode you could say, oh, burial, what's being buried? And then we could make a list of all the things that were buried in this episode. Sure, why not? Um, <laughs> on the other hand, um, you know, if you want to do that, by all means. Um, on the other hand, this episode uh, and other episodes in the show, too, we've talked about this. Um, they make a lot of visual references to different genres at the beginning of the episode when um, Hank takes out his cell phone. It's uh, filmed at an angle that it looks like, uh, and you know, Western basically. Mm, and Westerns yeah. are movies that are extremely visual. They're not about the dialogue. I mean, you could find thematic elements in there, but it's, it's it's something else. Or in the first scene with the the man, the old man finding the money, and uh, you know following the trail of it it was very similar to the first scene last week in that it was shot almost like a horror movie and, and horror movies as well like you can find thematic elements in there but they're more about the pacing and the um like i want to know what's going to happen i want to know what's behind that door but i don't want to know you know uh, sort of like um you know fast slow fast slow or climax and then sort of uh slowness and then climax you know that sort of Pacing suspense. or feeling suspense is the word I was looking for. Thank you, Pete. Um, as opposed to um, one of the last scenes right before Hank is about to go in and see Jesse, you have those two cops who are questioning Jesse. And for me, the, they're making these snarky comments and they're speaking a mile a minute. It reminded me, it, maybe it was trying to be a reference to like a law and order type show where they're sort of <laughs> yeah. like Jerry Gorbach, yeah. like, hey, little. Um, and Jesse is just in his own little world, it's like the show saying, like, we're not in this type of TV show. We're in a yeah. totally different genre entirely, and these people do not belong here. That's, um, it's, it's comic relief. It's a, it's a much needed bit of levity in a very, very dark show. Yes. Uh, but it is, it is very much as you say. It's like, the, these two guys don't know what show they're in. 
they they showed up to the wrong script reading. <laughs> they actually they come out and say it when Marie says to Hank, like, "What are you, Lone Wolf McQuaid?" Right? <laughs> <laughs> Hank to Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So these these guys these guys picked up the wrong script, uh, and of course that's why they don't get to hear what Jesse ha- like. They, they're the recurring cops from. Uh, these are the guys from C, uh, series or season four or the beginning of season five as well. Like they talk to Jesse when he's hanging out around the hospital where, where Brock has been poisoned. Uh, so like they also interrogate Jesse pretty heavily and they find out nothing because, you know, they're in the wrong show. They're in the wrong reality entirely. They're the wrong kind of cops. They're a, they're a law and order solution to a breaking bad problem. You can just enhance the video of the methylamine theft, right? Like, zoom in, track that in, give me a vector on three, you know, flip it, look at the reflection on the bald head, and we've got, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> there hasn't been any, there are many good enhanced scenes in Breaking Bad yet, so I'm sure they'll they'll parody that before it's over. Probably not. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. There's a lot that remains to do. Uh, there's, of course, and I, I was thinking when you were saying, Shana, we could talk about all the things that are buried. It's almost like they name the episodes in a deliberately frustrating way. Like they sort of they name the episode in a way, at least at least this one is sort of a reverse of what you should be looking for. Almost. Um, I, I just remember Vince Gilligan talking about how he likes to sit down with the writing team and figuring out what's the la- what's the thing that you're least likely to expect to have happen. Right. right. They want to surprise you. Like, I, too, thought that the old guy picking up the money was going to get, like, eaten by a snake or something. <laughs> right? Like, or a tiger. Was just like, like, was just, Don't go near the money. Like, for goodness sake, go away. Go home. You're going to die. Uh, but it didn't. You know, it's like, oh, he, he's fine. You know, and um, so, yeah. So it's it's it may be the it's not the things that are buried that are interesting about this episode, but the things that are dug up that are interesting about this episode. And then the next episode is Confessions. Right. Or Confession is the title and uh which leads us to believe jesse's going to confess to hank which leads me to think it probably he probably won't (laughs) (laughs) that sounds about right yeah but we'll have to wait till next week to figure that out so any any final thoughts on the episode tonight panel i liked it (laughs) i didn't say holy moly this episode so i'm a little disappointed maybe next time no, this didn't make the holy moly. This is a no holy moly episode. The holy moly quotient was low. <laughs> okay, well we're gonna we're gonna track that through the season, and we're gonna like judge the the episodes based on whether they hit the the Mlowski holy moly quotient or not. I could just say moly if it's like okay, but I'm going for the full holy. Moly. So this was like a secular moly. This was like a thoroughly <laughs> secular, like not no element of grace or any sort of. Uh, Divine Providence was surrounded surrounded the mole of this episode. Suddenly, I'm hungry for mole, but let's <laughs> Mexico anyway. Well, we're getting silly. Mexico, I'm getting silly. Okay, look, moving on. China, Mexican <laughs> restaurant. Mm, all, all I'm saying. All I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But if you want to speculate on what's happening in the next episode of Breaking Bad, if you want to talk about this episode of Breaking Bad, you can hit us up on the comment thread either on YouTube or you can come to the site and you can list the comment thread there. We'll have a great conversation. It's an ongoing community of Breaking Bad watchers. Uh, Stay tuned also. Just a little quick plug for our Ender's Game book club. Watch out for that. Uh, That's going to get started near the end of the fall, right, John? Or is it the end of September? Is that what we're shooting for? Uh, Thereabouts. They're out for right in time for you know movie season. Excellent, excellent. So yeah, we're going to be doing a new overthinking a book club. There's all sorts of fun, exciting stuff happening. Where is it happening? You may ask. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. This you can visit us on the web at www.overthinkingit.com. 
where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. All right, Pete, are we are we done? Can I go? <laughs> am I am I under arrest? Am I under arrest? Am I under arrest? <laughs>